Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Sacken here alongside my good friend and co-host, the uh, voice of the Mitchell Colonels. It's Travis Krins. Travis, how we doing? It's good. It's warmer out. Mm -hmm. It it feels approximately probably 50 degrees warmer than it was a week ago. So, yeah, it was a a deep cold for a long time. And, you know, we're a week away from February about. Winter's not over. We got like two months to go. We had a pretty bad, not pretty bad storm at mid-March last year, but mm-hmm. we got about two months to go, but I think we've, we've seen hopefully the worst of it. So it's, yeah. Isn't it weird you go from an Arctic blast to well above average temperatures in the span of a week and a half? It was, because it was... Like a month ago, it was, it was pretty warm on right before Christmas, and then it was supposed to rain, and it snowed a lot. Mm-hmm. So, it's been a, yeah, in the last six weeks, we've seen 65, and we've seen 20 below temperatures, and 40 below wind chills. So, we've seen a lot in six weeks. You've seen the, the, the full gamut, uh, the yeah. full run here. Uh, basketball last week, how did it go, and what do you got to looking forward to this week? It was good. Mitchell boys beat Sioux Falls Lincoln on Tuesday. Uh, it's 57-51. So they are 9-1. and one. They're halfway through the regular season. A uh, new poll is going to come out at 5 o'clock Monday. And uh, Mitchell will be at number one for the first time in 12 years or so. Wow. Okay, very the good. Boys, the boys will be at one. And the girls are still undefeated at 9-0. and They won at Harrisburg. Number three, Harrisburg on Saturday, 46-44. And when the poll comes out this afternoon, they'll be at number two, jumping up from number four. So uh, they're 9-0, and and the O'Gorman girls are also 9-0. and Okay. They are number one. So boys are one, girls are two. And both should continue to... Win for a while. Boys are at Brookings on Thursday. Uh, Brookings isn't very good. Uh, girls will be at Sioux Falls Lincoln Friday. They've not won a game yet. And they host Brookings on Saturday afternoon. They have two wins. That is crazy to think that a school like Sioux Falls Lincoln has no yeah. wins in a in a sport like basketball or football. They struggled to score these past couple of years. They struggled to score. So, uh, good wins for Mitchell. They are a combined, are they 18-1 and one now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, one loss was in overtime for the number one ranked team. So, yeah, it's been good. It's been a good, good first half of the basketball season. Now, is this week busier because of the postponements from a couple weeks ago with the the cold weather and the bluster, uh, the the windy conditions and whatnot, or is that uh, a, a week or two later on? Yeah, they were supposed to play Brookings or two Fridays ago, so these games against Brookings were not supposed to happen this week. Okay, so so, so yes, so that's why be. you will be calling games Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this week. Yes. All right. Good luck on all the calls and the travel and stuff. And, you know, hopefully there's not a lot of traveling by the Mitchell uh, basketball teams. But, uh, you know, uh, 
that sounds like they're good. And now, does this really begin the stretch of road games uh, that you'll have to go to? Because I know they had a, a, a bevy of home games, a front-loaded schedule with the home games at the, uh, at the beginning of the year. Yeah, the boys have had one road game all year. So uh, they'll have like eight of their last ten on the road. And the girls, not quite as bad, but they've been, they've had like three Six of their first nine have been at home. So, yeah, Brookings, Sioux Falls, some other spots. Um, yeah, and, and, and it's done February 23rd. Wow, one month to go then. Regular their, their Sodak 16, which is like their Sweet 16, their one-game qualifier to get to state is like March 1st and 2nd. Wow, so, okay. Once that's Friday, Saturday, once that happens... The season is over. Do you have to make any trips out west, like far, like past pier, like into, you know, Sturgis or Spearfish or anything like that? Next weekend, we're headed there. Um, usually they send the boys out there and the girls will be at home or the other way around. But this year, uh, somebody figured it out and say, hey, let's send both teams out there at the same time. What a so novel concept. So you're not playing in two different it's on the same day. Maybe the Summit League should uh, review that uh, policy once again. <laughs> figure, figure that conundrum out. So next Friday, they'll be out in Sturgis. And then the next day, they'll be out in Spearfish on Saturday for a doubleheader. And I've never gone out there for a regular season game because I would stay at home and do the game here. But as long as they're doing two games, as long as they're doing four games over two days, I'll go out there and do those next week. And the weather should be should be nice, so that's what we'll be doing next will, weekend. Will Melissa go out there with you? Yeah, she'll go out there. I'll stay. I'll come back on Monday. Took Monday off, so excellent. We'll make a weekend of that. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, we'll look forward to that. It, and you know what? Yeah, it, I don't know how, just regarding the Summit League, because I know they talked about how, oh, with Western Illinois leaving, they, they just couldn't do, like, the mirror schedule. Or is it, I guess it's called mirror scheduling right now. But they couldn't do, you know, the teams playing at the same arena, you know, have scheduled doubleheaders, which would make sense. It makes sense money-wise, uh, less traveling. Like, it just, it's ridiculous that they have gone away from that when, you know, from what three, four years ago, when that was routinely what would happen, and somehow the Ohio Valley figured it out this year, and they added Western Illinois. So, hopefully, the Summit League uh, gets their shit figured out because it's ridiculous that you do not have SDSU playing NDSU at home the same night. Um, you know, you have them going opposite. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous that they're in opposite locations. And just have one team be on a bye for a week and partner some teams up. They've done it before. It makes no sense to have, yeah, it's always one team will be at Omaha and one team will be at home versus Omaha or Kansas City or Denver. It's like, you know, have them both together, same time. And I would uh, think it would, it would save money, wouldn't it? Like, it... it if you're all about you know being you know being fiscally responsible, I would think that less traveling for these teams would be best. You would think it would cut down you way. You think it would cut down on some. You wouldn't need you know two two different uh, groups of people. You could kind of double some things up. 
So it uh, it doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense money wise. More people will be at double headers than they would be at single games. That's mm-hmm. just you just look at the numbers. That's the way that works. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, that that type of scheduling like there's no benefit at all from it. All the small conferences should do it. I think if you're anything smaller than the Mountain West, you, you do that. It could just it it makes yeah. sense, especially you know with costs rising and what. And if so many athletic departments are under budget or financial constraints, what a what a way to kind of save that yeah. money by going to do these double headers. It just makes sense. I don't understand why they don't do it. But that's neither here nor there. We're going to get to the NFL uh, here in a minute. But uh, there is potentially big news coming up this week, a big announcement. We have the uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame uh, announcement coming out. And we expect Joe Maurer to uh, be named as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Is that correct? Yeah, numbers are coming in. It's over the 75%. And... He should make it in, so yeah, I'm glad he's in on the first ballot. I think he deserves to be in. He, he won an MVP. He won three batting titles. Yep. Uh, catchers, catchers don't do that. Rarely win batting titles. I think what two other catchers have ever done that. Rare. So he watched him play, and he was like he was he was an extremely good hitter, mm-hmm. and concussions. Uh, ruined his career and Justin Morneau's. Mm-hmm. Without that, even even a greater career. But and nobody has hit. What he hit three sixty five in two thousand nine. He was MVP, and nobody has done that since. And that's been about fifteen years. I don't. At some point, somebody will. But it's it's been a while since somebody has hit. 365, and that one, that was like the one year he actually hit home runs, and other than that, he never really did. But despite that, he was was an excellent catcher, he was a Hall of Famer, so he'll get in, Adrian Beltre will get in. Okay. That that was going to be my next question, is who else do we expect to get in? Adrian Beltre, and you're thinking maybe one additional player? Yeah, he'll get in, he'll he'll get in easily, and then Joe Maurer should get in, and then... They don't have to wait and see. There's really nobody else. I mean, there's a few guys that you can make a case for, but um, may just be those two. It was rare when Maurer hit uh, double-digit home runs, or I guess like 20 home runs, 15, 20 home runs in a season. Uh, what was a rise? What did he hit when he won the batting title for the Twins a couple years ago? His average? Yeah, what did... What did he like? If Maurer won the batting title at three sixty five, what did what did Arise hit two years ago? Like three thirty. Okay, all right. So it's very sizable difference. And then last year for Arise or this past season when Arise was with the Marlins, what did he hit three forty, three fifty, something like that? Yeah, like three forty because he was you know four hundred for a long time. Mm-hmm. What did he? Uh, he had, he had three fifty four. Okay, so that's a full full tenth of a point behind. That's that's incredible stuff. Yeah, he had ten home runs, three fifty four last year, two hundred and three hits. So Well good luck to good luck to Maurer. Hopefully we're celebrating that next week. I know Viking fans were uh, very happy with 
the Packers loss, and we're going to get to that here in a minute. But as we turn our attention here to these NFL Divisional playoffs, remember two years ago when we had the fantastic ending between the Chiefs and the Bills, and that was like arguably the best playoff game we've ever seen, and that was the weekend of the close games. You had San Francisco winning on a last-second field goal against Green Bay 13-10 in the frigid cold at Lambeau. Uh, the Bengals beat the Titans in overtime on a game-winning field goal. I can't remember the other game, but that was really close. Um, oh, who was that? Regardless. But the Rams? Were the Rams in there? No, the Rams. Was it the Rams? I can't remember. It was, it was only a couple years ago. So, yeah, the Rams would have been in it. Did the Rams beat the... Uh, 49ers? The 49ers beat the Rams? No, the 49ers beat the Packers in the divisional round. Um, is it the Rams? It had to be the Rams, right? Well, regardless, I'll look that up here. Um, but this past weekend didn't start out great, as expected. Baltimore rolls over Houston. But Saturday night's game, which is the most watched uh, event on a Saturday night since the 1994 Summer Olympics. Between the Rams the... beat the Bucks 30-27. Oh, that's right. Yes, thank you. Because that was the they had the late pass uh, Stafford to Cup down there. Uh, yep, that game was on MC. I do recall that now. Thank you very much. Um, so, I remember we had talked about it and said, wow, what great finishes and stuff, but you had Taking the stance that this was that it wasn't the greatest weekend because the games weren't all that great, which completely, you know, it completely makes sense. You had fantastic finishes. That doesn't mean it's a great game. And I've kind of tried to model that concept here in recent years. But I think this past weekend we had two great games. Uh, one one spectacular game between Kansas City and Buffalo. Another very good game between the 49ers and the Packers. Ravens-Texans wasn't much of anything to write home about. And Lions-Bucks was just... It was fine. It was a good game. Uh, but it, it... I don't know. It just really didn't do a whole lot for me. But Packers-49ers and Chiefs-Bills absolutely stole the show. And may I just say, I think this Buffalo-Kansas City game... Kansas City Buffalo game, I should say, because it was played in Buffalo. It's the first road game ever that Patrick Mahomes uh, has had to go on in the playoffs. I think that game on Sunday was better than the game two years ago. Am I way off base with that? I think. Yeah, this game, uh, the first, you know, first half, first two and a half quarters were very good. Uh, just too sloppy. The, the the wind was a big factor. Like if it's a nice day that you know, Tyler Bass makes the field goal, mm-hmm. you know, 44 is not an extremely long field goal, and obviously the wind is why he missed it. So that, you had Diggs drop a 60-yard catch. I don't you know had. how anyone can blame Allen today. For that game because uh, Trent Sherfield had dropped a pass earlier on a third down that was, you know, right. You know, difficult catch, but it's one you need to make in the playoffs. And, yeah, the, the one by Diggs is just a complete, complete failure on his part. 
you had too many mistakes. You had too many fumbles. You had near fumble recoveries by the other team. Like in that game two years ago, there were 28 points scored in just the fourth quarter. I mean, that was yeah. I mean, that was one of the top 10 games, I would say, ever. Yep. 42-36, it was 23-21, Kansas City going into the fourth. Um, there were three touchdowns within a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think, oh, we won it, we, we got a touchdown. Well, no, then they get a touchdown, and we get a touchdown, and then 13 seconds happened. So, yeah, that's that was good. Um, too many mistakes in this one, too much sloppy play. <laughs> So, like, the Chiefs just couldn't stop the run at all, and then they did. You fumble at the one-yard line, you get a fake punt that doesn't work. I, I got to too many, too yeah. many, Too many things like that. Like, well, that's not good football. That's just yeah. sloppy bits and, and, and bad stuff. So I wonder on that fake punt, I mean, they noticed that the Chiefs only had nine guys at the line of scrimmage, so, like, ten guys on the field, and they... I don't think if, like, if, if the Chiefs had 11 guys on the field, I don't think the Bills would have ran that fake punt there, especially not with DeMar Hamlin. That's just an odd choice to me to have him be the guy to take that snap and try and pick up that first down. So I think they wanted, I think that was kind of a on the fly call because they noticed that the Chiefs had one less guy on the field. And. I, it frustrates me to no end how you have it first and goal at the three. Isaiah Pacheco just gets you uh, a huge gain. And then you ch- try and do this little trick flip play to Nicole Hardman. Why don't you just give the damn ball to Isaiah Pacheco and get in the, in the damn end zone rather than have him, you know, j- uh, this little trick play and then he fumbles it. It goes through the end zone that that rule will change in the offseason. It has to. I'm glad it didn't cost the Chiefs in um, in this game. If it did, it for sure would have changed. It would have been like the Vikings and the Saints back in 09 uh, with the overtime rules and the Saints getting that field goal and the Vikings never having a chance. But, I like, it just, I don't know if it's coaches outthinking themselves or whatnot, but I agree with, like, the, the play had been so crisp up until that point, and then it just was like a onslaught of mistakes. Sometimes the Chiefs get too cute. Yes, they do. Absolutely. Like they get bored or something. It's like just just do the simple thing. Don't don't get fancy. Just keep keep doing what's working. So yeah, they, they, I mean they, they didn't need to do that at that point. So I am not. They're, they're, I mean they're, they're just. Again, they're just they're they're the they're the Vikings of the playoffs where they they just get by. They just got by. It's nothing that they did. I mean, they got the first down they needed at the end to to seal the deal because mm-hmm. Buffalo couldn't stop it. Yep. But it's like Buffalo missed the kick. That's their fault. So Diggs dropped the pass. That's nothing the Chiefs did. The uh, I mean, there were Diggs was wide open. I got that. It was like two minutes to go, Allen threw to the end zone. It was well short. Guy was open. It was well short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nothing the Chiefs did. Josh Allen underthrew him. But I think and there was pressure on that particular pass that he tried to hit Shakir in the end zone. 
and Diggs was open on that play. Yep. So he went for it all. He didn't need to, and he should not have done that. Diggs was open. I saw the picture. You see the video. He's open like five yards down the field, middle of the field, going to the left. You get him the ball. He probably gets the first down. Given given Diggs' day, though, I don't know if, if he would have well, caught that ball. <laughs> You need you need to get that done because you know, everybody says, "Oh, if he makes the kick, the Chiefs still go down. They have a chance, yep. which they do. Yep. And you like their chances to uh, to kick a field goal, get a touchdown. I do because Buffalo so, hadn't like, stopped them. Uh, Buffalo hadn't stopped them all game long until the fourth quarter. Like they, yeah, I guess they had held them to field goals the first two drives, but that was the one concern I had going into the game, especially if Terrell Bernard wasn't playing, the Bills linebacker, and he didn't play. Was how was how were the Bills going to stop the Chiefs from scoring because of all the injuries? It's not necessarily that the Chiefs' offense has figured it out. It's more it uh, the impact of all of these big name guys that aren't playing for the Bills this year. Tre'Davious White, their cornerback. Uh, uh, you got um, uh, oh, one of their linebackers. Um, Milano, I think, yeah, uh, Milano, uh, they had A.J. Espinosa out, Terrell Bernard. Like, they have, they're very, the depth at linebacker was very minimal, very low. So, when you're losing all these guys, yes, you should expect a team like Kansas City to be able to score points on you. I have a major problem, though, with everyone talking about Tyler Bass's kick and saying, oh, it's Scott Norwood again. Like, no, other than it being right of the upright that's the only that's the only commonality between these two kicks i guess other than the fact that it's the postseason because one scott norwood missed his kick in the super bowl with eight seconds to go that would have given the bills the lead again it was at a super bowl neutral site there were eight seconds it was like a 47 yard field goal on grass yes 35 years ago 33 years ago where Kickers today routinely make it from 50. Kickers didn't routinely make it from that distance. Right. So I, would, I would imagine it was probably under 70%. Yep. And the, and the wind was a factor for Tyler Bass's kick. And this kick would have only been to tie the game. There was the a minute 43 to go. So I don't want to hear about, oh, Tyler Bass's kick, it's now the new, like, Scott Norwood. No, it's yeah. not. Like, it's just, it's not even in the same realm because of the situation of the kick. This wasn't a kick to give them the lead. It was a kick to tie the game. That kick was to win the Super Bowl. They would have won that Super Bowl because there were eight seconds to go. With a minute 43 left and two timeouts, Kansas City could easily have gone down the field and gotten a field field goal to win the game. And then Tyler Bass's kick wouldn't have even mattered. So I... I just don't want to hear, oh, Tyler Bass and Scott Norwood. Because, no, the kicks are not the same at all. You needed to take more time off the clock. You needed to get closer. Mm-hmm. And, like, I get annoyed when people, well, they would have scored anyway. Well, maybe, but we don't know that. Right. Like, you know, people, people don't know. You don't, you, know, you just, like, go based off the of... One, you, know, you never know what happens yep. go. with these games. So it's like, well... Oh, this one. This this definitely would have happened. Well, no, no, it would have. So, but there was a decent chance. You never know. Yeah, there was a decent chance given how the Chiefs were driving down the field. But you're right; it's not a given. But it's still not. They they get the fake punts and they get the wall. This game's over. They're going to be up ten. Ten ten minutes to go. This game's done. 
they need to, they need to score and a stop, and they can't get either right now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like seven and a half, eight minutes left, and I'm watching like like they have to hold the ball the rest of this game. Mm-hmm. They slow down. They have to score a touchdown, and they almost did that. Once they got to about two or three minutes, it's like all right, they are in a great position. Yep, she's scoring a touchdown here with you know under thirty seconds to go, and if they do that, I think they're going to win. Yep, but. And then they they're going to come back to that. And they, just, they, had, they had a lot of shots to win this, and, and Buffalo still still can't win. So. And then it would have gone back to, well, if McCole Hardman doesn't fumble the ball through the end zone, the Chiefs would have gone up by 10 there, and they are likely in control. The Vikings, the Bills, and the Chargers, to me, are all the same team. It's like that Spider-Man meme where they're just you know looking at one another. Because the Bills have this perennial playoff disappointment they hadn't been to the playoffs in a very long time like outside of 2000 until what 2016 or whatever after you know Cincinnati knocked out Baltimore or whatever and now they've been a a a consistent team in the playoffs since then and I guess it's not even necessarily the playoff disappointments it's the Chiefs they can beat them in the regular season they cannot beat them in the playoffs 3-0 in the regular season, 0-3 now in the postseason with this last one coming in Buffalo. So you can't even use that excuse now like, oh, we got to get them in our house. Now, and I think that's why Bills fans are taking it so hard. You saw them all crying and uh, Bills fans, by the way, throwing snowballs. It's like, you know what, maybe you you guys need to take a look in the mirror and uh, figure out exactly what you want to be. That's not a a very good – that's not indicative of how good of a fan base you actually are, those few – uh, people throwing snowballs and whatnot, but I mean, you could get someone hurt. Or there was a another one where uh, a pass was thrown. I think it was incomplete. It was in the end zone for a, one of the Chiefs' wide receivers, and a snowball comes and hits the the Bills' corner. It's like if their timing had been better, like you just can't do that. So Bills fans, uh, disappointing in them, but they took this loss so hard. And are taking it hard. And it'll be tough to get over it because this was their moment. This was their opportunity to seize and finally beat Mahomes and the Chiefs with them coming into their building for the first road game ever in the Patrick Mahomes era. Yeah, this is not one of the better Chiefs teams that they've seen. No. no. So, I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're built to beat the Chiefs and they couldn't do it again. They had home field. They were playing well. They didn't make a ton of mistakes. At least they didn't have not many turnovers. But they, their their defense, they just couldn't stop. Kansas City played their best offensive game of the year. Yes, yes. So they they barely had the ball and they scored almost every time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's hard to beat when the other team scores every time. And and they just had so many field goals against Miami. It's like, well, if you can hold them every time to a field goal, you're going to win. Yep. But. But they couldn't. Well, how about like uh, MVS making some big catches during the game? He had, been, I mean, he's had a case of the dropsies all year, and he came up with a big game. Rasheed Rice uh, continuing his ascension uh, is one of the better wide receivers on the team. Like I think he's going to be one of the better young wide receivers in the game. I now, granted, now that they've won a game on the road, I can't say it's impossible. I don't see them beating Baltimore this week in Baltimore. It, I Baltimore didn't look great in the first half against Houston. It was tied 10-10. 
The offense finally came to life in the third quarter, or in, in the second half. But that defense is super good. I, it's it's going to be difficult for this Chiefs team to beat Baltimore, but this is the best defense that the Chiefs have had in the Mahomes era. So if they can somehow limit Lamar's escapability, keep him in the pocket, force him to throw, that might not be... That'll keep them in this game, I think. But ultimately, I believe the Ravens will win. Uh, the, the Chiefs are the Patriots now. They turn into the Patriots. Or, or I'm sick of them. It's like, all right, I'm, I've, I've seen you for six years in a row. I'm, I'm completely Chiefs out. I'm okay. That's enough. Six years in a row. Who knows? I mean, they could very well win this whole thing. Who knows? Yep. It's just like, you look at it like, yeah, this is the problem. This ain't as good as it used to be. But then they play and they win. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Look at it. Don't, don't pick against them in the divisional round because they are undefeated. Yeah. Like, it's insane. Oh. Six AFC championship. Well, they usually don't play anybody in the divisional. They play Jacksonville or they're playing yeah. uh, somebody, you know, Tennessee. They're not playing anybody. Mm-hmm. They usually have. I mean, it's always at home. It's a very favorable matchup. It's the it's the championship game where they barely beat the Bengals and they barely beat the Patriots and you know they they, they barely beat the Bills. They just barely sneak by. So I'll pick Baltimore, but like this one goes either way. Baltimore did not look good for much of that game. Right. Like scored a couple late touchdowns, but it's like geez, it's. And what Houston did in a lot was sacked. They didn't turn the ball over. Houston made – Houston really didn't make any mistakes. There's some stat out there where like, they're the first team ever not to do any of those things and still lose by, like, three touchdowns. So. Wow. Well, their lone touchdown was a punt return for a touchdown. Like, the offense for Houston didn't do anything. Well, if the, if the defense can show up, I mean, that's the big thing. Like, the defense has to stop. Yeah. They have to stop. That offense. Amazing that in the Raven era, that this is their first yeah. ever home AFC Championship game. All other AFC Championship games have been on the road, uh, so that's rather stunning. The last yeah. one came like 50 years ago when they were the Baltimore Colts. So, in you know, ever since they came, ever since the NFL came back to Baltimore, they had never had a home. AFC Championship game, and they'll get that this week, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central Time on CBS, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it seems like they do well as an underdog and usually trip up when they're a favorite. So, yeah, like Buffalo needed to do something, they didn't. Cowboys needed to do something, they didn't. Uh, Baltimore and San Francisco, they need to get to the Super Bowl. If they don't, it's... It was not a good year, so they, they still got still got one more game to go. So it's um, now we will see. Now Nick Sirianni uh, is having a year end press conference with the Eagles on Wednesday. That's at least what's scheduled. So it seems as though he's already fired Sean Desai, his defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia. He is going to pursue other opportunities. So it seems as though Sirianni is safe for maybe one more year, but. So the, the Bill Belichick to Philly train doesn't maybe it's well, it's it's left the station, but might that station might BB be a BB head coach 
next year? Might Bill Belichick be a Buffalo Bills head coach next year? He'll be going to Atlanta for some reason. I don't know why. I guess got to be the division. Like, oh, yeah, this division's trash. I can go here and win. Don't you think, though, that if – I mean, if you're Buffalo, don't you kick the tires or the treads on on Bill Belichick? Because, I mean, not – Sean McDermott's a good head coach, but he clearly – there's something else that that's preventing Buffalo from taking that next step. Bill Belichick with I, Josh Allen, like hello, that's. Uh, I don't think I, the coach thing. I again, Diggs catch the sixty yard pass. It's right in your hands. Make the field goal, tackle. Like it's. I don't with these coaching things. It's like I don't know what a lot of the stuff. It's like the gounding the coaches doesn't matter. Like your defense is injured. You don't have your players. Like, just make good decisions. No, I don't think the coach is going to change that. So, I think, I mean, they're going to keep him. If Dallas is keeping their guy and Philadelphia is keeping their guy, I think Buffalo is keeping their guy. Milicek's going to go to Atlanta. Jim Harbaugh is going to go to the Chargers if he's leaving. And then we'll see what else, who else goes elsewhere, but... I was thinking about this the other day. You know, with Dan Quinn, I saw he was taking, or that he interviewed with the Chargers, or maybe he's in line for a second interview with them. Dan Quinn to the Chargers actually makes a ton of sense because Kellen uh, Moore is the offensive coordinator for the Chargers, or at least, you know, he is as of right now. And he was with Dan Quinn in Dallas for a few years on the Cowboys staff. He was the offensive coordinator under Mike McCarthy before McCarthy took over play calling this year. So it would be interesting to me if Quinn took the Chargers job and kept more on as his offensive coordinator. Like Then there's more continuity there, and I, I would think that would be an advantage for the Chargers over, say, you know, a team like Seattle or um, you know, any other place that, that Quinn might go to, Tennessee, Atlanta, whatever. That's an intriguing perspective to me that they that they, that they would go that route. I think that makes a lot of sense, but they they have their hearts set on Harbaugh. Who has a second interview, by the way, with the Falcons? Falcons have interviewed like twelve guys. The Titans have interviewed like ten. It's like Jesus Christ! Like pick fucking pick somebody. Well, and some of these guys like Ben Johnson. Whatever the uh, the Lions' offensive coordinator, I think Aaron Glenn had an interview this week. Like they're getting ready for the biggest games of their their coaching careers with the divisional playoffs and stuff. Like the whole process is just weird, and it just seems like they're oh, so no, they're, they're busy stacking. Don't don't let that fool you. These guys are so busy mm-hmm. game planning because it takes ten days in a week to game plan for a football game. So yeah, if I'm one of those coaches, like you know what, I want to be an NFL coach. I want to win a Super Bowl here. I'm not fucking talking to the goddamn Atlanta Falcons or the Carolina Panthers. Right. You know what? Once my season's done, then we can sit down. If you want me that goddamn bad, uh, we can talk after the season. Right. Once the season's going on, uh, no. So yeah, that, it's it's stupid. It, it should not. It should not be allowed. If you're agreed, I mean, the NFL it, should do something. They tweaked it last year, but it doesn't seem to be making much of an. A difference right now. Like if you want to go and hire a coach that's available, by all means, do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you want to hire one of these coaches that are still uh, still alive, then you're going to have to wait till after the season. Like it, it's 
There's nothing going on right now. You can wait another two or three weeks to hire your head coach. Yep. There's literally nothing to do right now. Yep. So they they, they can do that. Belichick's going to Atlanta. Harbaugh's going to go to the Chargers if he leaves. I mean, Ben Johnson will go to Carolina or somewhere like that. Mike Rabel's still out there. Yep. So none of the big teams uh, fired their guy. We'll see if that works out for any of them next year. But it's like the Bills and the Cowboys are just, yeah, you can't, you just can't pick them anymore to do anything. It's like, all right, this was your chance to at least, you know, at least beat Kansas City, and then they couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I know the Bills and Chiefs play next year in the regular season. It's in Buffalo. I will pick the Bills to win that game because they beat the Chiefs in the regular season. They cannot beat them in the postseason. It's just that simple. Um, Packers, 49ers, what a good game that was Saturday night. Uh, Nerve-wracking, I think, to a lot of uh, Vikings fans who were rooting against the Packers. Uh, Green Bay played outstanding in this game. They came in with a great uh, game plan. They had the mindset that they were going to win this game. That's what head coach Matt LaFleur said. I, like, Aaron Jones had a couple of big runs. But I think that this game, San Francisco kind of played down to their level of competition. Some of that, I think, might be, well, they rested a bunch of their starters in week 18 you had last week off. Losing Debo Samuel early on, that's a killer. I don't understand why they didn't run the ball more with Christian McCaffrey. That doesn't that didn't make a lot of sense to me. It doesn't make sense why you wouldn't give it to your best player on the team, the best running back in the league. But if you're looking at the final stats and stuff for like Green Bay, yeah, Aaron Jones had a 53-yard run and he had flashes, you know, he had some big gains, but he finished with 18 carries for 108 yards. Like you take that 53-yard Rush out, that's 17 carries for 55 yards. Jordan Love had under 200 yards passing. He had a couple of picks. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, please get down. Um, and that, that last throw, that was Brett Favre-esque there, throwing back across his body to no one in particular except 49er players there. Um, I saw a tweet that this game, because the Packers, uh, Anders Carlson, their rookie kicker, missed a 41-yard field goal, this game had all of the Viking playoff woes in involved in just one game. Missed field goal and a throw across the body, resulting in an interception and uh, preventing you from winning the game. But like as good as Jordan Love has been, this I don't think this was his best game statistically. The first half, they only had the ball three times. They had a 14-play drive for a field goal. Mm-hmm. Green Bay did. Mm-hmm. They had a 10-play drive where they didn't make the fourth down. Yep. I don't know, fourth and one at the 14. That didn't happen. You know, you scored three points there. That's kind of big. Yep. Then you get a field goal, another 10-play drive where you kick the field goal. So, you know, 7-6 at halftime, you're down. But could have kicked three field goals. The second half was a little bit different. But, yeah, 49ers were not good. Uh, Brock Purdy did not play well. Any interceptions that didn't happen. So that that gives me hope that maybe they won't win this week because they they played they did not play very well. Well, they didn't. But you need to get that that game under your belt, shake the rust off. They were 0 30 when trailing by what was it? 
Seven. So is it seven points going into the fourth quarter in the like how, many, like, how many of those were in like 14 point margin, seven point yeah. margin? Yep. Like, how many of those games were between like seven and ten? Right. I don't know. Yeah, if you're down by 21 in the fourth quarter, you're not going to win. But they, they had been 0-30 under Kyle Shanahan. You're thinking, wow, an uh, offensive mastermind like Kyle Shanahan, how have his teams not been able to come back and get a win? And I wonder, like, is it, you know, if Packers fans are like, oh, my gosh, here's the broadcaster's jinx. Like, it's going to happen here. But, I mean, 0-30, it's not like it had, it had happened before. They found a way to do it, which was, which was big. And we'll see if Debo Samuel can play this week. I, I do think, though, the, the 49ers know that that was not their best game, and they will be they will play far better this week. Well, we'll see if it, you know if it's raining again. I think that caused a little bit of the issue, at least with Brock Purdy. I, the Lions still just don't impress me. They, they don't. Their defense, their defense is not good. I think the 49ers are going to destroy that Lion defense. I do think the Lions will be able to run the ball against San Francisco. But I like San Francisco's speed overall. I, 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 like Detroit was playing even with Tampa Bay. They, had, they were lucky that Mike Evans dropped a pass and that was picked off. Uh, Jared Goff threw a terrible pass that should have been picked off but wasn't. Like... They didn't play nearly as good against Tampa Bay as they did against the Rams, at least in that first half. And I, I, I like yes, the the Lions played a good game, but it's still not one that I'm like, okay, I'm nervous against San Francisco, or I'm nervous for the 49ers against the Lions. I just I don't see it. I don't I don't like the Lions defense. How was the officiating in this game? We you talked about the officiating last. How was it? How was it yesterday? In the Lions Bucks game? Any calls stick out? Oh, well, that one's kind of boring. Well, the, the, the decision to uh, not call a timeout with 40 seconds left by Todd Bowles that uh, that sticks out. That was dumb. Um, do you think? Baker Mayfield's calf was maybe down on that touchdown late. They had the, uh, well, I think it was the play before the touchdown. They didn't call Baker Mayfield down. His calf was down. Mm-hmm. That appeared to me to be a sack. Was that a sack or? Yeah. No? Oh, I thought you, I thought you were saying, yeah. Um, <sighs> If your cap was down, if your cap down, it means you are down. And it, yeah, yeah, it they does. They didn't yep. review it. They didn't review it. I would have no confidence if they did review it. They would actually change the call. And then in the next play, they score a touchdown to you know get within one score. They were like five minutes to go. So that was a, a mistake. It was the last play of the. They punted with 90 seconds to go, about two minutes to go. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay was offside on the punt. They never showed a replay. The announcers commented, oh, looks like Tampa Bay got away with one there. And Chris Collinsworth says, yeah, it looks like they sure did. Because somebody jumped offside on a punt when it was fourth and five. Mm-hmm. That would have gave the Lions a first down at near midfield. 
I'm not saying they score there, but I'm pretty sure Tampa Bay doesn't score. Right. So I thought that was a big penalty. There was a uh, early third quarter they called David Montgomery for a chop block that negated a first down at about the 30-yard line or so because the defender was engaged with somebody and then Montgomery went low. Or I thought he, Montgomery, hit the defender before he even got to the lineman. And that was a close call. I'm like, well, these calls, well, this, this takes away a first down. This takes away what would have been a fourth down conversion. This gives you know, Tampa Bay a, fourth and, a third and 10 instead of a third and 15. I'm like, Jesus Christ, these are, these are pretty big calls with the Lions. They overcame it, and they were, mm-hmm. Gibbs was good. Golf was good. Their offensive line is excellent. Yes, it is. But he is a Hall of Famer. What has he been around for four years now? Yep. Right tackle. He is the best right tackle there is. Like Jameer Gibbs is a star. Like all these people. Oh, what are you doing drafting these guys? Yeah. Well, we're yep. That down. So, yep. Like what, what were they? What were they? One and six last year. What were they? Yes. After, I mean, two, two and two and six. I mean, this team. Has turned it around quickly. Mm-hmm. Aiden Hutchinson is good. You should probably uh, block him once in a while. Yes, that would be helpful. Brian, real Brian Branches, you know, a rookie safety. He's really good. They yes, got, they got the you know, their defense it needs to get better, uh, but they get turnovers. Uh, their coach is aggressive. He's, I think, he's great. Um, they get down at the one yard line. Speaking of, you know, running the ball. Mm-hmm. Now they're at the one second and go at the one, and they pass it, and then they pass it, and then they go for it on fourth and goal at the one or two, and then they finally run it in, uh, which was a big play, and it basically won the game there. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're aggressive there. You just like to run the ball on second and third down instead of waiting for it on fourth down. So, like, they're just they're just good. They can run it. I'm on Ron St. Brown is great. Yes. Now they're... I mean, the best they've been, you know, in, in, in a long time, 30, yeah. 30, 40 years. This is the best Detroit team yep. that they've had in a long time. And, oh, it's, uh, their, their draft picks have worked out. They, yes. They've drafted well. They sure have. Turned, they turned the Matt Stafford trade into uh, just, I mean, that's how you trade somebody and, and, and build for the future. Yes. So, yes, absolutely. I like what I thought from them last year. Obviously, I like them this year. and yeah, a couple more wins to go here. They, yeah, yep, they've been great. Jameer Gibbs has been fantastic. I thought, like, wow, why are you drafting Sam Laporta and Jameer Gibbs, like Michael Mayer? So I, I was off on that. I thought that that was a little too early for each of them, but they've obviously panned out really well. Um, yeah, I like Brian Branch. I, I think this defense will get better. They need to add more pieces. I just don't think it's good enough this year. But... If San Francisco doesn't have Debo Samuel, that changes like their whole com- the whole complexion of their offense, and that may bode well for Detroit. Um, like you could just see how you know you needed uh, you know Juwan Jennings or John Jennings though to uh, to step up. Uh, Chris Conley, I didn't even know he was in the league. He made a big catch in the fourth quarter. Brandon Ayuk. Had to be more of, you know, the guy. Uh, George Kittle dropped a pass that he shouldn't have. Um, but 
Like, Debo is the straw that stirs the drink for the 49ers offense because they use him in so many different ways. Um, so I'll be curious how this week goes if, if essentially the 49ers have to install two different game plans, one with Debo and one without him because you can't run the same plays that you would. I think they tried a, a reverse with Jennings. Uh after Debo left against the Packers, and he lost like a yard or two. And I think it was Greg Olson who said it on the on the telecast that that play is designed for Debo. It's not designed for Jennings, and it throws off the whole timing of everything uh, and what you can expect Jennings to get versus versus Debo. San Francisco's played some clunkers this year. Yes. So, well, Brock Brady didn't play well. Like, they, they need him to play better than that. Yes. Yeah, two, the, the Packers should have had two picks. And by the way, Jordan Love, I based on what I've seen from the Packers and their young guys, it just feels like, oh my gosh, it's worked out again. I'm already going to pick the Packers to win the North next year, barring something drastically changing for the Vikings or the Lions. Like, if Ben Johnson stays with the Lions and they improve their defense, yeah, maybe I could go with the Lions, but I, I just see the Packers just taking over, taking control. Yeah, they're, they're decision makers and know what they're doing. Right? Yes. They know, they know how to do They do. It's... It's frustrating. So you're taking the lines against the 49ers. NFC Championship game, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Central Time on Sunday. You're taking the lines. I'm taking the 49ers. Is that correct? Give me the 49ers. No, I'll take control. Um, the last time the Detroit Lions won a road playoff game was 1957. Hmm. They beat San Francisco 49ers. I see it happening again 70 years later. Give me... Detroit Lions to beat the San Francisco 49ers to get to the Super Bowl for the first time ever. Okay. I mean, I really hope the Chiefs beat the Ravens. I just don't expect it. Uh, prove me wrong. And then the conspiracy theorists will be like, well, look at this logo. It's red and purple and whatnot. And if you look at yeah, whatever. Um, if you look at next year's, it's like purple and like a light a Kelly green more so like Eagles maybe so are we thinking Eagles Ravens next year in the Super Bowl that's potential so the the purple red though you know the conspiracy theorists out there and that the NFL is rigged could set up for Baltimore and San Francisco I wish they'd rig it a little bit better what if yeah for the Vikings that would be nice <laughs> so that's that any other thoughts from this week uh, Jason Kelsey uh, mentioned that he kind of stole the show at that Bills game, jumping in to the stands, uh, you know, shocking in a beer with, with fans. He was tailgating with Buffalo fans before the game, but uh, he stole the show. He saw his wife Kylie there. Uh, of course, you, you saw shots of Taylor Swift, but uh, Jason Kelsey. How many, how many times did they show her? Because I started that game an hour late, and I was already caught up by halftime. There was already like a couple minutes left in halftime. So I did. I saw they showed her like after an Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, Shima, I think her and Pacheco were actually the ones that are together because whenever he scores, <laughs> is when it's like, Pacheco scores. What does Taylor Swift think about it? Um, 
once I quickly uh, put the fast forward button on. So I, it is. I think Jason. I watch, the, I watch the Lions game pretty much live because that's the only game I cared about. Mm-hmm. But Jesus Christ, just watching me—it's just such a fucking—it's a fucking haul to sit and just watch this. We were on our way back from Sioux Falls on Saturday, and we were listening to the to the Ravens game, and I don't know how it was a six-minute, seven-minute stretch where it was a quarter break. At the end of the third, it was a timeout. It was a touchdown and a timeout. It was a kickoff and another timeout. And I'm like, I've driven fucking 15 miles and heard about five plays yep. <laughs> in about 10 minutes. It's like this. I oh, fuck. It's so. Gotta get, gotta so get your TV time. I, I, I can't, I can't watch the game as it just Jesus Christ. That's just, why, me, that's why Red Zone is so good. The injury timeouts. This guy's hurt. He's two feet away from the sideline. Oh, let's stop it. Let's take a look at him. Uh, fast forward through this. So that's why I, mean, I, I gotta start these games. You know, an hour late. I watched yeah. the second half of the Bill game live. It's like. I just watch something else for a half hour, so I get I get uh, a little behind, so I can skip. That makes sense. Because it's like Jesus Christ, this is once you watch it this way, it's just unbearable. So. I do think Jason Kelsey probably got more airtime than Taylor Swift. Uh, I think so. I think he did. Because it's like, it was something. I, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Uh, he comes off to me like a fucking moron. Um, Drink a beer and take your shirt off. Act like he did. If you want me to think you're a fucking moron, do exactly what he did. It's like, good. Do that, and I think you're a fucking idiot. So, retire, don't retire. I don't give a shit. Um, it, it appears he's enjoying retirement if he in, is indeed retiring. So, those, I mean, those, those I, I, like, no, I, those people, people like him, like, no, that's fine. I, that's fine. I, no, you look like a moron. You look like a dumb shit. So continue to continue to be a dumb shit and take your shirt off and act like a fucking moron. <laughs> that. That's what, and that's why I think. Didn't Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, take his shirt off at a Bills game? Was that two years ago? Was that last year in the playoffs? I think he did. I have no idea. But I mean, he had tie. He at least had ties to Buffalo. Kelsey did not. But play. Uh, just like. The whole Kelsey clan was there. But like, I look at that and I think you're you're a joke. Mommy. Like, you're not serious about is that, is that supposed to be his his character? He's supposed to be this this fun loving uncle. Is that who he's supposed to be? Well, he's he's the, the dad. Uncle? He's the dad. He's got three kids. Well, whatever the fuck he's supposed to be. <laughs> the fun loving dad. The fun loving brother in law. Whatever. Yeah. Whoa, they've got planned for him in this in this charade. Oh, like you he, you be you be the crazy you be the crazy guy that pounds the beers on his fucking head. Oh, well, haven't you seen that though at like a hockey game where the uh, no, you're not a goddamn not professional athlete. Like, you're not. I remember the brother of one of the players. You're not. You're, you're not an active player in the league. You're. I th- you act like an idiot. I think it was uh, some Titans offensive lineman chugged a beer out of a catfish at a Predators playoff game a few years back. Like, is LeBron James taking his shirt off and chugging beers? No. Is Michael Jordan doing this? No. No, uh, LeBron James is just bitching about uh, calls and not non-calls. 
whenever he wants to. He's the ultimate complainer. Like, is, is anybody else doing this? Like, I mean, come on. Like, is Kirk Cousins, he may take his shirt off. Like, he's not He did doing take this. his shirt like, off against the Packers. And it's all like, they have a little bit of, I don't know, class or whatever. It's like, come on. It's just, it's, it's uh, to me, it's off-putting. I'm sure a lot of people like it. Like, oh, look at him. Ain't he having a good fucking time? That looks like a fucking awful time. Out in the cold, drinking beer. What, what, what fucking else could you, could you do to me? I can make me hate this anymore. I don't. I, th- I think you are in the minority for that. Yes. But speaking, who, who want to take their shirt off when it's fucking zero on the windshield, and you got Taylor Swift right behind you. You got your gut hanging out in front of sixty thousand people, acting like a fucking idiot. That to me, fun, fun, fun. That's what I say. Fun, fun, fun. Speaking of class, uh, Texas basketball. Uh, Men's basketball head coach, who's it, uh, Ronald Terry, Some uh, getting the name pulled up here, he caused a little bit of a stir last week when he chastised Central Florida players after Central Florida went horns down. Uh, Rodney Terry is the name, thank you very much. Rodney Terry. Uh, yeah, well, uh, he uh, was, you know, talking to, to UCF players in the – handshake line after the game because you know UCF went horns down they just came back a, an impressive comeback uh on the road in Austin against Texas and they went horns down and Ronnie Terry's like oh he, he, he called them classless and confronted a bunch of them in the handshake line and uh it was just he had a whole diatribe about it afterwards and like you got to be better than this like blah 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 well you know what Texas Maybe don't uh, get so offended by your stupid horns up sign. It's, I would say it's probably the same as the bison. You know, we do horns down for the bison. And I, like, I think they don't like it, but they aren't getting all bent out of shape like Texas is. And you know what? If you don't make a big deal about it, then people aren't, maybe won't do it as much. Or if it's just when Texas isn't good and it doesn't matter as much. For UCF, this was their first road win in Big 12 since joining the league this year. It's against Texas. Texas is leaving for the SEC, so they're not going to be able to do this again, if ever, or like, you know, very often, if ever again. And Texas should expect some of this hostility because they're leaving for the SEC. They're leaving the Big 12. That's why Central Florida is in there. So Rodney Terry, shut the hell up. Don't get offended because now that you do, everyone's going to do it to you now because they know it pisses you off. When they beat Texas, now he did come back and apologize later on in the week for you know his rant and stuff, and that's all fine and dandy. It's the heat of the moment, whatever. It's still not going to take away the fact that he was out of line, and that other schools will continue to do this to Texas when they beat them. Assuming again that Texas is good, or especially this year with Texas leaving the Big Twelve at the end of the year for the SEC. People do this all the time. Everybody hates Texas because they're never any good at anything. And they yeah, think they're so great and like almighty at everything. They, they what they brought in like a hundred and twenty some million dollars last year, which is more uh, revenue than any other athletic program. And they're good at a lot of things, but they're not a national title or something. Right? Like you should be, like you should be Alabama on the football field if. You got that sort of money coming in. Like, you should be better at all your sports mm-hmm. if you're putting in that type of money. So, and it's a petty thing where everybody does it. 
But yeah, I don't think Central Florida is all that special because they did. I'm sure it happens at every game. For and if they pull off a big upset like that, yeah, they're gonna. That's what they're probably gonna hit you with. So you want to do a little hand signal, whatever. Well, that's, that's what's gonna happen. I was riveted by this Creighton-Seton Hall game Saturday. Did you watch any of this, this triple overtime thriller on FS1? I did not. Fantastic. The way it just went back and forth. Creighton uh, was down, and then they got up, then Seton Hall made a comeback, and Creighton ultimately prevailed in triple overtime. Uh, It was a great game. Uh, Just fantastic. Seton Hall is really, I think, surprised in the Big East, but Creighton got a big win in there. Your Memphis squad, that was a bad week for Memphis, losing uh, at home to South Florida. That's a bad loss. And then losing at Tulane, not quite as bad, but you still need to beat Tulane. (laughs) What what happened to Memphis? They didn't score enough. They didn't. Two not so good losses. They, uh, yeah, Tulane and this kind of middle of the road teams. Bad, bad. So, did they, did they drop 17 spots in the polls? I assume they were they dropped to 19, so they dropped nine spots. That doesn't That's make a whole lot of sense to me. They should be That's down more. They dropped so, and Kansas, of course, Kansas loses. Uh, they drop all of four because you obviously can't drop Kansas out of the top 10 even though they lost to the fuck today. West Virginia. That West Virginia, a terrible West Virginia team this year. And Pittsburgh well, goes into Cameron. West Virginia team that is seven, came into the game six and 11. Six and 11. Yeah. They knock off number three, Kansas. Yep. Where do we drop Kansas? Four spots. Yep. Memphis, they lose by two to like a USF and two lane teams that are going to win around 20 games or so. They're like, you know, 12 and 5, 11 and 6. They'll be around. They're not making the tournament, but they'll be in that, you know, 20 win range. Oh, let's drop them nine spots for losing by well, it's, combined three fucking points in two games. It's, by far, it's far less comp- worse competition. I mean, South Florida's not good. What's the worst loss? Losing at South Florida's not good? Are they better this year than I thought? Like, normally. They're the, 11 and 5. Okay, they're better this year than I thought, but still not. I mean, it's not good by the West Virginia by far our worst loss. Yeah. I mean, you lose to South Florida by one. You lose to Tulane by two. I always feel like people, like, I always feel, I think it's this way in football, too, for the Big 12. Whenever you have to go to West Virginia, just because of the distance involved and because of how nutty those fans could be, they're always like, well, you know what, if it's an upset loss, you know, it, it, those things happen. Like, they, they, it's it's like they downgrade it a little bit. Like, yeah, it's, like, not inconceivable that West Virginia would lose this game. So, I, or, or that they, it's not inconceivable that Kansas would lose this game. So, I, I agree to that. I, I think, whatever, for whatever reason, that's the media narrative. Whenever a highly ranked team goes to West Virginia, regardless if it's for basketball or football. It's the lobby, the cold dust that gets in their lungs. Yeah, that could be. Like, you know, like all these teams, Purdue and and, and Kansas, like, and Duke, like, they're not going to fall because that's who they all, well, they're still a good team. They're going to reach the Final Four, even though they never do. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they're, they're still good. Hey, that's a lot's fine. That, they, they can lose. That's fine. Like we talked about a couple weeks when UConn like didn't fall at all when they lost to whoever the hell they lost to Seton Hall. Yeah, it's like they like that, that 
game is just ignoring. And then this is the second straight week somebody has left Arizona off of their ballot completely. Yeah. Arizona's ranked ninth. One of the voters didn't vote for him at all. It's not like they voted for Arizona State instead. They didn't vote for Arizona. Maybe. You don't got to put them ninth, but I'm sure you got to put them above fucking Dayton or Utah <laughs> State or fucking Iowa State. So it is stupid. Like you should email, say, email the guy and say, "Are you sure you want to leave Arizona off your ballot? I think you got him. I think Everybody he maybe mixed them in the top ten. You didn't have him in the top twenty-five. Yeah, maybe he mixed them up with Arizona State. I don't even see Arizona State. No, Arizona State didn't get a vote. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, then so. yeah, that's a that's an obvious miss. Uh, the Mountain West looking really good. Um, so that that's good. They, I mean. New Mexico seems to be really good. San Diego State, a little bit of a down year. Colorado State looks good. Nevada uh, is there as well. Utah State, obviously very good. Boise State with a big win against San Diego State. So this Mountain West could be a five-bid league minimum. Uh, we'll see if that how that pans out throughout the rest of the weekend. Uh, mentioned Duke losing against Pittsburgh. It's, like, it, it's a topsy-turvy year once again in college basketball it's difficult to figure out who is the best team it seems like marquette's kind of lost some steam i know they they have had a a significant injury to one of their or a a season-ending injury i should say to one of their guys i can't tell if villanova is good or you know st john's are they going to make the tournament as provident I, i don't think so i don't think butler is but all these teams are losing right now i think you know like the big east Probably a four-bid league, maybe five, but you don't see it. The ACC, Virginia, is garbage. The best team in the ACC is clearly UNC, like head and shoulders above the rest. Clemson, okay, fine. The Wolf, uh, the UNC, or NC State, okay. Florida State, no. Somehow they're five and two. Wake Forest, five and two, maybe. Like Virginia, Syracuse, Miami. Miami was supposed to be great this year, and... They suck. They're twelve and six. They're three and four in conference play. Virginia Tech ain't anything special. Like it's just the ACC. We want to talk about like conferences that have rel- like relatively disappeared from the college basketball landscape here in a relatively short period of time. Look at the ACC. It's down, and it is worse yeah. this year than maybe it was two years ago. Their depth isn't there. You know, they still got Carolina. They still got Duke. So, yeah, they're not going to get, you know, like in years past, it feels like they've had no eight or nine teams there. So, that doesn't appear to be to be going on. I mean, Miami made the Final Four last year. And, uh, you know, Clemson got up to a good start. All of these teams beat each other. So, I'm interested to see, like, are any of these going to be considered bad wins? Are all these wins, are all these losses going to be like, well, this team's got a net ranking of 70, so it's not a terrible loss. Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of crap. When you got you know sixteen in these conferences, it's like, are there any truly bad losses? I know. I mean, not everybody can lose at West Virginia, but goddamn. <laughs> right. um, the big I like t- New Mexico. New Mexico is finally in the top twenty-five. I like. I like them as much as anybody mm-hmm. in the Mountain West. So, in the Pac-12, yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 like, is horrible. What are the conference conference rankings? I'm sure, like, the Mountain West, you could make a case. You look around the country, like, is that the third or fourth best conference? I think you could make a case it's the second best, only behind the Big 12. 
And you look at the Big Big Ten, nothing's going on in the Big Ten. Right. Okay, you got Purdue. We know about Purdue. You got Illinois. You've got uh, Wisconsin, and that's that's that list. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, SEC, SEC is, is good. Yeah, yeah, this year you got Mountain West at four. You know, that's about right. I'd say put them, put them at four. SEC's good. Big 12's good. So. Uh, very good day for uh, SDSU basketball on Saturday. Both the men and the women beat USD seventy-three to, by identical seventy-three to fifty-five scores. I was surprised by the men, given that they had lost by nineteen to Denver the week before, and that they barely escaped uh, Frost Arena with a win against Omaha on Thursday. So to go down to Vermilion and play. What are we saying? What are we saying? What? What? Uh, the, the envelope? It's on the island. It's on the island. Oh. Uh, he, he's looking for something to give to his mother. No, it is. Noah, who do you like? Uh, Rams or uh, Niners? Lions? Who do you like? Just a oh, just a minute. He might come back down. Um. Just a minute. But uh, 73-55, I was very impressed with the men. The women got off to a slow start, down by seven in the first quarter, and then cruised to victory there. The men, I, I can't make heads or tails of this team. You would think they'd be better than what their record is. Uh, certainly need a little more consistency, but maybe they're finally headed in the right direction here. But a good Saturday for SDSU basketball. Feels like on the men's side, it's like Denver and St. Thomas. Those are the contenders. Yes. And, and SDSU. So you give the edge to SDSU when it comes to the the tournament in the home field so you know and then the women they're going to see more everybody so at least the men it's a the more competitive thing where i mean you never know what you're going to have maybe they just roll through this thing and maybe they finish you know 12 and 4 whatever the hell they got to finish up one are, two three four are all teams coming to the to the tournament this year are all teams invited i i, I think St. Thomas could win it and not get in because that's right. the fucking transition. I'm just wondering, like, if all teams can can will make the turn or will make the Summit League tournament because on the men's side, Oral Roberts right now is dead last in the league, two and four in conference play. That's surprising, but you know, they, considering Paul Mills is no longer the head coach, you don't have Max Abesmith and the guys that they've had to make their runs in the uh, in previous years. It, it, it makes sense that they're down there, but you look at the other teams that are just barely ahead of them in the standings, USD, NDSU, and Kansas City are all two and three. North Dakota, Omaha, and Denver, North Dakota and Omaha are three and three. Denver's three and two along with St. Thomas, and, and SDSU's one game up. But the whole conference, top to bottom, one through nine, only decided by two and a half games. Like that, that's That's crazy, but it... At least right now, it's odd to see the bottom four be USD, NDSU, and Oral Roberts. It is. Those are usually uh, NDSU and Oral Roberts are usually the top two of the top three, at least. This is a bad, this is probably as bad as it's ever been mm-hmm. in, the last, in the last 15 years. Seems like you've always had at least the top team be somebody that could maybe win a game in the tournament. Well, I think they can win a game in the tournament. It's just going to be the play. We're not talking the fourth game. Okay, all right. (laughs) That's what I was. 
Hey, I was just going to I would take, if SDSU plays in the play-in game, I'll take them over Merrimack or Southern or Sacred Heart, whoever the hell they, they play. You know how I know it's a, you know you know how I know it's not a tournament win? Because it doesn't count overall? Because my bracket don't need to be in until eleven o'clock on Thursday. There you go. <laughs> these games, if these were actual tournament games, you need to get your brackets in by five o'clock on a Tuesday. Yes. Those aren't the rules for any picking that I've ever been involved in. Yep. So that's how I know that these games don't count. So Yep. This is as bad as the, the men's side has ever been. This is yes. this is this is awful. And, and yes, the eight and nine seed do have to play each other okay. on on Friday, which I'm sure they will pack them in tight <laughs> at the at the, uh, at the Premier Center for whatever the fuck it's going to be because it's going to be atrocious. I have a, I so want... Speaking of making money and losing money, what sense does that make? Uh, how much extra money are you making on tickets and concessions? How many thousands of dollars are made on that Friday night to see the two worst teams in the league play each other in front of uh, a couple thousand SDSU fans? I feel as though the crowd was decent on Friday last year when they did this, but that was a, a full four games. They um, should ban. They should ban SDSU fans from going Friday night. <laughs> see what that looks like. Uh, it would look probably like, uh, hmm, Robert. Should put them, if you're an SDSU fan, you have to sit in the upper deck for those games. There you go. There you go. I, I can't imagine that's a moneymaker for anybody. No, no, absolutely not. It does, and it just, it doesn't make sense. I, okay, so are both, they're just going to have to have an evening session, right? I don't know, claim it, claim it fucking 10 in the morning, get it done with well, that would wouldn't that make wouldn't that make more sense? The women, the women will play at four thirty, and then the men will play at seven. So, wouldn't it make more sense to play though, like in the afternoon, because it aligns more with the women's schedule and the, the men get a little extra uh, rest. So be it, like it's you know four or five hours, but it would make sense to do more of an afternoon. Than an evening, but you're not going to get as many people on a Friday yeah, afternoon. Friday to watch. afternoon, yeah, 4:30. You know, it's yep. People are taking off the entire weekend way to go to this thing. So. Yes. Yep. And then with the uh, the Saturday game started 12 thirty, so it's 12:30. Mm-hmm. And three o'clock. Yep. I think this I is. Think, I think there's this no is, break anymore. I think this is year two that they that they move the well. This is stupid. And then the men's game starts at 6 and 8.30. used to be uh, noon and 2.30. Yep. And then you have a bit of a break. Yep. Like, I mean, for, for the people that work this, yep. you have not, you don't have a break. Right. The second game starts at 3 o'clock. It'll be done at 5. Next game starts at 6. That gives you an hour between games, which is not a lot of time. Once no. Once to get the uh, food eaten and all this other stuff and the press conference is done. I uh, don't know who came up with that, but that's fucking stupid. I think they moved the, the the tip time up last year, though, for the women to 12.30 for the for game one. I do believe why that. They did. They did. Why? Why? Have it at noon. I, I don't know. Noon and 2.30. 
maybe bumped. I I don't know. It, it seems because there's so much time in between game one and or like game one and two or game two and four. Yeah. I don't know. It, I they're trying to condense it. Maybe that I I I I can't tell it's you what. Still, it's still two and a half hours between the tip off. Like they just yeah. moved everything back a half hour from the start. The, That's like it, like between the sessions, like you would have some time to do something. Right. The uh, the championship game will be Tuesday night again, as always on eight. At, but this time it's at eight thirty Central Time on CBS Sports Network because of the deal that the Summit League and CBS Sports Network have. Uh, by the way, Jackrabbits are on CBS Sports Network on Thursday against Oral Roberts, uh, the men. So that's that's good, I guess. But um, it's, you know, it's not good. What? The women playing on CBS Sports Network this Sunday. Yes. That seems like a bad idea. Oh, wait a second. I think... Is it this Sunday? I thought it was next Sunday. I think it's the 4th. It's not this Sunday? I, I don't believe so. Let me... Let me... Uh, let me get this pulled up here. Because I looked at that the other... Uh, the other day. And I yeah, think... Yeah, they play this Sunday at 3 o'clock. Well, that is dumb. What a what a great great what a did anybody look at this contract and say what when are these games going to be on? Did anybody look at this thing? No, I, I don't think so. Hey, let's put us on when fifteen million people are going to be watching football. Let's have a women's game. What are many people going to be at that game? I mean, come on, you want people to see your product or not? Right. This is, this is the only game SDSU women will be on. They were on early at a game. And their other game, they were on New Year's Eve on a Sunday. Yep. Could you come up with two worse days to, to be on? Nope. To spotlight your fucking teams? Nope. I mean, it's, it's not a high priority. It's about probably as low as you could probably be on that network. Well, so, I don't even see... Is it on CBS Sports Network? Because I'm not seeing the. Yeah, go to go to GoJacks on the women. Okay, because it when I pull up on ESPN, they have CBS Sports Network for the men's game on Thursday, but they don't have it listed for the women on Sunday. And maybe lucky they got the team names right. Well, that's that's very true as well. Yeah, it says here CBS Sports Network Sunday at three o'clock versus Oral Roberts. Hmm. And it's, I mean, just, like last, I mean, Mitko had the game, I guess, Saturday. I mean, those are the games you want on. Yep. Of all of these games, they didn't they didn't put on USD and SDS. Right. Was there an agreement where Mitko, they, well, these are games that we would like? Or Probably. Like, that... Or CBS would say, hey, I mean, these are the best two games of the year. Let's, let's, let's play these. No. It... Or not. All right. It doesn't make sense. Nothing. None, we talked about this when the contract was initially announced. None of it makes sense. You started eight. Your, your game's going to be at eight thirty on a Tuesday. Yes. On CBS Sports Network. Well, I don't understand why they have to have the additional half hour. Is it to celebrate? Who? Uh, who, uh, the, the, who? What, what game is? What, it's always what the. Uh, what game is on before theirs? The Mac? It, it, no, it's going to be the the the. the CAA, the, the Colonial. Or now it's no, the Coastal. What's, uh, what's Nagy's conference? Uh, the Horizon. The Horizon, but that would be on ESPN. 
Yeah, I feel like yeah, the horizon was always on before the no, it, it's It was the Northeast Conference. The Northeast Conference was always on ESPN2, and then yeah. it would be the Summit League, but right back-to-back, like 7 and 9. It's not like you're playing these. Like I don't understand why the game is at 8.30 and not at 8. It, having having like six regular season games on CBS Sports Network isn't worth it to get bumped off of ESPN. We'll we'll see. Probably not, but no, it's like that's that's stupid. It is. It is. Like it was like, like I remember like the ratings, like the women's games would get, I think under a hundred thousand viewers in the afternoon on ESPNU. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not going to be 50,000 people watching this game. <laughs> Honestly. You know, will there be more people in the stands on uh, for the women's game Tuesday than will actually uh, outside of, just say, outside of South Dakota? Yeah. I, or outside of the region. If, if St. Thomas is playing SDSU, don't count those two states. Right. There'll be 7,000 people in this country watching <laughs> this game. There'll be more people in the stands live right. that'll be watching this game. Okay, how, about, not, how about some reckless speculation here? Maybe the Summit League is trying to just screw up, uh, screw around so bad that SDSU and NDSU and it, it, USD and UND want to, that they, they, they say, we can't handle this poor leadership anymore. We're going to leave for another conference. Is that a possibility? Reckless speculation. I hope so. Get out of this conference. It's it has peaked. It has peaked. Yeah, I, it it doesn't make sense. It it doesn't. Uh, no. Um. Any anything else? Anything this week that you're looking forward to on in in the college basketball world? No. No. All right. It's, uh, anything else? Connecticut, Connecticut's still number one. Yep. So. Survived against Villanova on Saturday. They did. They're surviving. Carolina's up to three. It's like, it's... I don't think I'm ever going to get on Carolina. I just don't... Um, <clears throat> tournament could be here. There'll be one sooner. But like, eh, I don't know. That's the long so. prediction that I've gotten right so far this year, I think. Yeah, so. Anything else yeah, we, we need yeah. to... Anything else we need to get to before we say so long? Well, there was an amateur on the PJ Tour that won. Oh, Nick, so. uh, Nick Dunlap, he's a 20-year-old from the University of Alabama. Good for him. He won yesterday, and he was going to win a million and a half dollars, but he can't because he's a amateur. Hmm. First time since Phil Mickelson in 91 that an amateur has won a PJ Tour event. Well, that's pretty cool. Um. So that happened yesterday. Interesting. I'm just reading it now. Uh, Dunlap withdraws to Mall Pro Golf move. Hmm. And uh, Tara Vanderveer of Sanford won a game. That's the most. Yes. Ever. Yes. Uh, all-time winning coach in college basketball, men's or women's. She surpassed Coach K. She's only been coaching for the last forty years. So forty-five years. She had a jacket on too. I think was it, you know, there were check marks or whatever on it. It's like you know, group of five or whatever. I think it's like uh, that's right. What a sick Super Bowl! I, I, I such a such a terrible story with y'all. 
much success they've had in the last hundred years. I should ask, uh, how was your birthday last week? It was good. Got some Casey's pizza. We went to Granite City on Saturday. Yes. Yep. It was good. Good. Man, we went to Sam's before that, may I just say, on a Saturday, so it was busy. Yes. Um, there was some dumb fuck with a white truck, big white truck. He, uh, we're going for a spot. He pulls into the spot. All right, that's your spot. Then he immediately backs out of the spot. Oh, what an ass. Why? Like, are you too, are you too big to fit in there? Is that, I suspect, maybe, I don't know. I can't get my doors open. I, I can't. So he backed out immediately and then left and he's just a stupid asshole and then he's trying to get past me and i'm like and then there's a guy to my right he's trying to get to his car i'm like well i can't because i gotta move over so this stupid fucking truck can try and get past it's like jesus christ just what a what a mess and of course people can't park in the lines because they can't see the lines and if you can't see the lines obviously people have no fucking idea where to park right in the parking lot because where the fuck do i park i don't know Approximately uh, three or four feet on either side of either car. That would be a good distance for you to park. So, yep. Big old mess other than that birthday. Birthday was good. So. Very good. Well, I've lost no. I don't think he's coming back down. We'll try and get him on oh, next go. week or the week after to uh, to help preview the Super Bowl and and make a pick. He'll probably pick the the Chiefs. I would like know. his uh, picks for the South Carolina primary coming up. I'd like to see his. His math on that. So well, I, good math I don't think he'll pick DeSantis. No, don't don't pick him. He's uh, that's that's a losing ticket right there. It is. It is. So is Tim Scott. But anyway, whoa, what happened? What happened? Uh, anyway, all right. You have a great rest of your week, my friend, and we'll talk next week. All right, we'll see you later. Travis Crins joining me here, Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time as always. Uh, as I mentioned, we will try and get. Uh, we'll reach. We'll send a. a We'll we'll send it. I I don't know what I was trying to say. We'll try and reach out to Jeff Lloyd, second from the Lockdown Browns podcast, here um, in the coming weeks to talk about the the Senior Bowl. When is the Reese's Senior Bowl? It's got to be coming up here soon, right? I would think. Uh, By the way, Hockey Day Minnesota is this week, so that uh, from War from from War Road, Minnesota, so. That's pretty cool. Uh, the Senior Bowl is next Saturday at, th- at 3 p.m., so there you go. Uh, so, yeah, we'll maybe try and get Jeff on next week. But, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. You can find us on podcast.com, archive.org, also iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at NDStacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis Krins on Twitter at Travis Krins. A link to the podcast posted in the middle to later part of each week. Uh, Baltimore. Beats Houston 34-10. Lamar Jackson, great for uh, great second half to help push the Ravens to win. Uh, the 49ers, Brock Purdy needed a drive at the end to score a touchdown. Uh, they, like, Christian McCaffrey scored the touchdown, but they they prevail 24-21 over Green Bay. The Lions beat the Bucks 31-23. And uh, the game of the weekend, the, these guys play instant classics. The Chiefs beat the Bills 27-24. Uh Tyler Bass misses a field goal. Stephon Diggs, terrible game, bad drop. Don't blame Josh Allen. He did what he could. Didn't have the best to throw sometimes, but no sacks for either team. Just incredible. So, AFC Championship game, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central time on Sunday. It's the three-seeded Chiefs at the one-seed Ravens. I want the Chiefs to win. 
I, I don't think they will. I don't, they won't be intimidated, but the Ravens got something cooking. We'll go Baltimore and then 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Central Time on Fox. It's the three-seeded Detroit Lions at the one-seed San Francisco 49ers. So we both have three, two, three, one matchups here. And I Detroit will be game, but I, I just... If Debo plays, I think San Francisco wins convincingly. If he does not play, things get a little dicier, but I do think the 49ers defense will be able to take care of the Lions. I like San Francisco to get the win. Uh, those are your official picks for this week. We'll see how it goes. Enjoy Championship Sunday. Enjoy the college basketball throughout the week, NBA and NHL, and all the like. We'll be back next week to talk about it all and the big headlines. I'm sure there will be some NFL head coaching news that we'll need to get to by then. So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, for Travis, I'm Nathan. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.